Yeah, it's, it's good unedited raw footage. The good. real Alex Marlowe. That, that, well, this is how we're doing our videos now. Yeah, is that that we'll, we'll include all this stuff because like this it, is yeah. the... And I should probably stop talking about it because I'm giving away <laughs> the secret sauce, but people love it. Like, yeah. it's the, we did this video with Marco Rubio. He's like offering our editor, our Washington editor, like a cup of coffee. And it's, just, like, it's much cooler yeah. than just Authenticity like... Authenticity is yeah. like what people want to see That's now. what they want right now. Yeah, no, yeah. everybody's tired of the scripted, propped up political pundits. It's yeah, cool that's like, right. You, you know, smart. you're a smart guy. Yeah, well, All right. get started. Hello, America. I'm Brian Hollingham, 15-year-old conservative commentator, editor-in-chief of the Truth Gazette, here today in Phoenix, Arizona, at Turning Point USA's America Fest. We're here with 10,000 young conservatives from all across the country, and I'm very excited to sit down today with editor-in-chief of Breitbart News, Mr. Alex Marlowe. Alex, welcome to the program. How are you doing? Rylan, nice to meet you and nice to be on your program. Yes, very excited. Really looking forward to having you on. I've watched your work uh, from afar for a very long time, and I'm just glad to actually get to meet you in person. Now, how's that possible? 15, <laughs> how can it be a very long time? <laughs> well, for, for quite a few years now, I've gotten to see your journalism. Good for you. We, we really Thank appreciate you. what you're doing. So thanks for doing thanks, this. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Well, let's start out by talking about Breitbart yeah. and the need for Breitbart in today's America. You know, I started the Truth Gazette in 2017 at the age of 11 um, to push back against the fake news media and get real information out to the American people. Breitbart has a similar mission. Talk to us about why it is so important to have a company like Breitbart in a fake news world today. Yeah, I think that what you're doing and what, of course, we're doing at a little larger scale, but similar mission, is what's going to save the country if the country is going to be saved. I think that it is the citizen journalists who will save us because we see how the corporate media has failed us on every major narrative. Literally every one, big and small, not just, you know, the Russian collusion hoax, but also stuff like Juicy Smoulier, I mean, Jesse Smollett, who... <laughs> Uh, was of course that was a hoax and they all lied to us for so long about that and so b issues big and small they get the biggest issues wrong and yes. they get them wrong just about every time and it is on us the citizenry so long as we have a semi-free press even though i know that the silicon valley oligarchs would like for that to go away but so long as we have a semi-free press we got a chance and yeah. that starts with the citizens it does not start with the corporations the corporations are purely self-interested and they want to protect their business model that involves massive overseas deals worth billions of dollars. They don't care about American values. It is the people who care about that stuff. And that's what I think citizen journalism can uh, provide for our country. Absolutely. You know, I want to talk a little bit about your founder, Andrew Breitbart. Sure. Uh, he was an incredible person, a proud patriot. You knew him very well. We miss him very much, especially in today's political climate. Yeah. Um, next year will be the 10th anniversary of his death. Yes. How are you as editor-in-chief of Breitbart and everyone else at Breitbart continually keeping the passion and spirit of Andrew Breitbart alive? Uh, it's such a great question. It's something that is a daily effort that we want to make sure that we do Andrew proud and we fulfill elements of his mission that we feel like we can fulfill. Andrew, of course, was an irreplaceable personality. There is just no one who had Andrew's combination of fearlessness and sense of humor and new sense and pioneering spirit. That person is not going to exist again. But I do think a lot of the things that Andrew believed in, empowering the people, uh, having a great time while you report the news, uh, massive quantities of headlines, things that were so important to Andrew, I do think that we've been able to uh, maintain and grow. And uh, we're very proud of what we've done. And we're really looking forward to some big announcements with regards to commemorating Andrew on the 10 years since he passed away and coming up here. In the next few weeks, people start hearing about that stuff. And I, it's really good. It's going to be a, a year for a lot of reflection, I think, because what Andrew did wasn't just launch Breitbart, Breitbart News. He really was the person who pioneered the entire modern conservative online news system that we see. And from people like Charlie Kirk to Ben Shapiro to 
uh, the, those of us at Breitbart, so many of us got our start thanks to Andrew. And that is something that is, it's immortal if you're like that, if you lived a life like that. Absolutely. Um, I've experienced big tech censorship. You've experienced big tech censorship. Yeah. Breitbart has experienced big tech censorship. And so, and so have millions of Americans all over the country. Uh, you know, the louder we yeah. get in opposition to it, uh, it's the more it seems that they just keep doing it, though. Yeah. And they're doing it in broad daylight, and we're calling it out yeah. for it, but they, they just keep going. What do you think that we as Americans need to do to push back once and for all against big tech censorship? So, uh, it is, it's got to be legal, um, yeah. for starters. Uh, the, it has to start with reforms to Section 230, uh, the Communications Decency Act. Um, a, a, a rough summary of that, or at least what it means for your audience, and this is one where I do recommend people go to Breitbart and read all of our, our reporting on this issue, but it, it essentially allows for Google and Facebook and Twitter and to censor people based on viewpoint, and they're allowed to get away with it scot-free. And this cannot continue. Um, if we desire to have a country with a First Amendment, um, and so far, uh, I have not seen a robust effort to take it apart. And a lot of people kind of cop out and say we need to throw it out completely, which there's actually good elements in it that protect companies like Breitbart too. So it does need to be a pretty thorough, uh, uh, it needs to be a thorough um, effort. It can't be something that is a fly-by-night thing, but it starts there. But then we also do need to build our own platforms as well to compete with these platforms. And I think that we're getting a gift right now which is that the censorship is getting so crazy on these platforms. Uh, it started with Google last year censoring Breitbart right before the election, cutting off all of our Joe Biden covers, literally erasing it uh, from their search results. So I think that's a clear signal where Google's head's at. And Twitter, they have a new CEO who, what does he do the second he gets in there? Starts censoring more people. He starts censoring accurate information about the coronavirus that goes against the narrative of the establishment media. Uh, this is a signal to conservatives that you're not long for these platforms. You're eventually gonna get removed from it and we need to start building our own stuff. Facebook uh, just came out last week uh, as we're recording this that they, their fact checks, they regard their own fact checks as opinion. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, so facts is now Mark Zuckerberg's opinion. Like yeah. it's, that's not true, facts are facts. So how can you have a fact check if you're admitting it's just your protected speech or protected opinion? Uh, you can, but if you're a conservative, you know you're getting rolled by these platforms. So it is time for us to come up with our own stuff and to move on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, changing topics a little bit here. Sure. Across the country, we're seeing a rise of cultural socialism yeah. and Marxism on college campuses as the radical left is trying to indoctrinate our youth. I've talked to a lot of college students here this weekend who want to fight back but don't know how. What yeah. are your suggestions to them? So it's a good question. First of all, you should not be going to college um, if, unless you're going to go into a STEM field or a field where you really need that degree to advance to the next phase. Um, you're, if you want to be in journalism, you're much better off applying for a job with me at 18 than you are going to a journalism school and spending 50000 or 70000 or whatever it is now a year and then just coming out as one person out of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that are applying for a junior, junior job at NBC News. Like it, it, that is not a good message. to. That, that's not a good way to get ahead in life. Um, so I, I do think people should focus on charting their own unique course. Anyone can still make it in this country, but you have to be smart. And just going into the system is not always the best way. In fact, it's often a way to get yourself 
into a lot of debt and set yourself back and waste a lot of time. So I think it starts with that. I think that's the, the, the first place I would begin. But if you do need to go in for science, for math, if you want to be a lawyer, you obviously you've got to get degrees to do that stuff. If you do want to do that stuff, then just keep your guard up. Uh, know when the indoctrination is happening. Make sure you're keeping up with other alternative sources of information. Breitbart, all the great network of podcasts that are out there the, the, that have conservative uh, news and opinion. Make sure you're staying up on that and be involved on your campus. Try to push back against rampant leftism. Uh, be vocal. You don't have to be mean about it. You have to be angry. But you know, do your part to vocalize that campuses should be a space for free thought. Even if they're not, be a part of the solution if you, ha if you must go. Um, we have we have just a few days before the we begin another major election year. Seems like yeah. we just got done with one. We have another one sure. on our heels. Uh, the midterms are coming in hot, and Republicans are in a great position right now. Yeah, really good. Uh, do you think Republicans can take back control of the House and Senate twenty twenty? Oh, absolutely. In fact, that should be the expectation. And um, if they don't, really, the only chance I think the Democrats have uh, is with with cheat by mail. Uh, if they're which is my expression for these because they're mass mail in balloting that we've done ostensibly due to the coronavirus. And you might notice as we're having this conversation, there's a new variant and there's going to be new variants and there'll continue to be new variants. And a lot of this is designed to make sure that those rules are put in place at the last minute before 2020, which were immeasurably helpful to Joe Biden, um, that those rules stay in place. And that will give the community organizers a chance to get uh, not just outright fraud, but to get people who otherwise would not be inclined to vote, low information, low interest, low civic participation people, to cast votes for Democrats. And that is something that Republicans need to have their guard up about, and state by state, they need to go through and make sure we're protecting ourselves with the laws that are uh, either in place or should be in place. So I don't think it's a, it's a guarantee because of that combined with big tech manipulation. There's always a chance. But Issues-wise, with the Biden inflation and what's going on with China and the botched Afghanistan pullout and the open border and the gas prices, it is the, the fact that Joe Biden couldn't stop the coronavirus. All this stuff is really helpful for Republicans looking at the election year. So uh, I think you can tell because so many Democrats, dozens of them, have already said they're not going to run for re-election. So there you go. Yeah. You know, how can the Republican Party go into 2022 being proactive as opposed to being reactive to yeah. the socialist ideology that the media is trying to shove down our It's such a great question, and it's one that I've been asking as we're at this Turning Point conference when I'm interviewing Congress people. I'm asking them the same thing because that's a really tough question because Joe Biden's going to have a veto pen even if the Republicans get both houses, which I think they will. Uh, so there's only going to be so much they can do. Um, so that's why investigations are really big when we take back the Congress. I think that's really important um, that they investigate everyone who has wronged the American public over the last couple of years and make their lives as difficult as they made Trump and Trump world. They have to, you have to fight fire with fire in that regard. I think it starts there. Uh, but on a civic level and on a citywide level, on a municipal level, on a statewide level, everyone has to get involved. It is now too late for all of us to trust someone else to do it. You have to make your voice heard. Uh, if, if you can start small, you can start, join your PTA, whatever, do what they did in Virginia and Loudoun County. Uh, stand up to, to the PTA if you have to. But it has to start there and grow bigger. It is not enough for people to simply sit around and tweet or text and think that that will sort of save the country. It's just not going to at this point. People need to get fired up and to get involved on a personal level. It doesn't be your whole life, but pick something. Be a precinct captain. Do something to be involved on a personal level. And if we do that, I think we're going to see results like we saw in Virginia and almost saw in New Jersey.
Yes, big wins in New Jersey, big wins in Virginia. Looking forward to 2022. Aside from the midterms, we also have another election right around the corner in 2024. Uh, what are your thoughts on the field of potential candidates for the Republican Party going into 2024? It's interesting because if Trump runs, he'll almost certainly get nominated. And whoever gets nominated is going to be the front runner yeah. um, because the Democrats are so lost. And they don't even really have a candidate yet because Biden's so old and um, Kamala Harris is so unimpressive. And so I think what's really interesting to me is I think the front runner right now for Democrats is Hillary Clinton. People are just starting to say that. I'm the first one to say that. And now people are starting to copy me, I've noticed, in the media. Uh, but she's, because if she's alive, if she's breathing, if the air is going in and out of her lungs, she's running for president. Yeah. And if their field is as bad as I feel like it's going to be, then she could be the sort of none of the above choice, kind of like Joe Biden was in 2020. So that could be really interesting. So you could conceivably see a Trump-Hillary rematch, which is uh, uh, just amazing yeah. <laughs> that, that could happen <laughs> again in this country. Um, but, you know, the, the Democrats are almost more interesting because you know Buttigieg is going to run, yeah. and he's been running since he was born, um, and he will run until he can run no more. Um, who has Stacey Abrams, I'm sure, wants to run, but she's going to run for governor of Georgia first. So I'm really interested in the in the Democrat side a little more because it's sort of the balls in Trump's court. Yeah. If Trump does not run, the Republicans have are going to have one of the best slates of candidates um, to choose from imaginable. I mean, it's going to be Pompeo and DeSantis and Tom Cotton and Ted Cruz and a bunch of others who are going to be really qualified. And I hope Republicans make a good choice and hopefully someone with that sort of populist Trumpian value system if Trump doesn't run. Yes, America First policies will be strong. Regardless yes. of Trump runs or not, we have a good field. Looking forward to that. Yes. Um, wrapping up here today, we're at Turning Point USA's America Fest in Phoenix. 10,000 young conservatives walking the halls around us from all across the country. Yeah. What is your message to them? So my message to them was I spoke to them about cultural Marxism. It was an assigned topic, but I loved it um, because this is, to me, what is the big threat right now. Uh, having been in new media now for about 14 years, uh, I have seen the media landscape get neutralized where the media was used against us really effectively on the right. Now I think less so. Now I think we, with alternative media, uh, have been able to neutralize the power of the establishment media to a degree. Now, we'll never completely wipe them out because there's so much corporate money behind them, but we've really neutralized it. Hollywood now is a joke. I mean, people laugh at SNL, not, not with <laughs> SNL now. And it's a, we think they're hilarious, like how stupid their sketches are and how bad Jimmy Fallon's ratings are and how bad Jimmy Kimmel's ratings are. And like, that's, that's great. So the, and you see that Hollywood turns out these woke movies and no one sees them. That's really great. So what is the woke left doing? They're taking over our corporations. And this is, and my talk will be online, I'm sure as people hear this, so people can, can pull that down. Um, but it is part of this cultural Marxism yeah. where people have realized that the proletariat, the normal people, the uh, rank and file Americans, they kind of like this country and they aren't actually gonna rise up against the bourgeois because they like the tradition. They don't feel as oppressed as Marx predicted. So the way they indoctrinate us is through these institutions and it started with Hollywood and the media, but it's sort of migrated to the corporate world. And that's where we're getting the woke in orthodoxy, places like the NFL, places like Nike. And that is what we need to be pushing back against at a really big level. And you do need to push back with your dollars. Like you can't support these companies, you can't. I know it's very inconvenient, we just can't do it. 